Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm really excited for this episode today with a doctor. So you can find out all about your sexual symmetry and more. I feel like we haven't talked about sex a lot in the past few episodes. So just want to, you know, get back into it a little bit. But before we switch it over to the episode with Dr. Stephen DeWitt, I would love to talk to you about some of the things you wrote in about. The first one is not wanting to settle down in the same place ultimately. When you don't want to settle down in the same place as a new partner, or, you know, a partner that you've had for a while and you you still don't agree on settling down in the same place, it's really tough because that's your future. And you don't want to be compromising something that you've always wanted for a partner. You really want to be on the same page. So like I have tons of friends who, you know, live in New York now, but are thinking about raising a family in LA and vice versa. And I know that all of them are on the same page. No matter what they end up doing, they're on the same page. So I would say it is a little scary if you're not on the same page about it and one of you is going to have to back down. Um, And so if that can't happen, I would say it's a big red flag. How to not take your stresses out on your partner. Um, Well, that's really hard because like you're, you know, with your partner all the time right now, if you're still quarantining, which hopefully you should be. Um, Side note, everyone going out and partying right now is not, it's not cute and you need to stop, but it's really hard not to take things out on your partner. I mean, I've done it. Everyone has done it. Who's quarantining, you know, with them 24 seven, but I think you need to take some space for yourself. You need to do something for you and like not change your schedule for them. I know, you know, today's Monday and I love to like go on walks on the weekends and my boyfriend wasn't feeling well yesterday. And so I didn't end up going on a walk because like, you know, he'll come with me sometimes. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I didn't end up doing it. And I was so off all day. And I was like, if I just stuck to my routine and like went on my walk, I would have been fine. And for me, that like is a de-stressor just to like walk and be alone, listen to like Taylor Swift or whatever I'm listening to. And so I think like stick to the things that make you feel sane and your, you know, routine of having your alone time. It's so important. Another thing, dealing with in-laws. Well, I don't have any in-laws, but, and I actually, none of my friends who are married have like terrible in-laws. I have one friend whose mother-in-law is like a little cuckoo, but you really just have to be nice. Like you have to be kind unless they are, you know, unless they cross the line, you have to just deal with it. Like not everyone's going to like their in-laws. It sucks. Ideally, you spend more time with your family than theirs, but not, it doesn't always happen that way. So just make it work. Like you have to make it work. Even if you're annoyed as hell, like that's now your family. And so you have to, you don't want to be the one like perpetuating a distance between your partner and their family because like you can't get along with their family. Um, Even if they can't get along with their family, you want to be the one to like try to patch things up. Like you just don't want to be, and I've talked about this recently on Instagram, but you just don't want to be the one 
like stirring and making them think that they should be, you know, more upset about the way their family is. No, like you just want to be a peacemaker. You want to be easy in those situations. If they're anything like me, you know, I get really stressed out around my family. It would not help me for my partner to also not be good around my parents. Like if, if, if they can be sweet and be kind, like that's all you can ask for. Concern about significant other's friend they've hooked up with in the past. I just talked about this on a recent episode, but like that's always going to happen, right? There's always going to be a friend of your partner's that they've hooked up with before. And it's really not the end of the world. It's also so clear that like if your partner was going to be with them, they would have been with them for one reason or another. Maybe your partner didn't like them enough when they hooked up. Maybe they didn't like your partner enough when they hooked up. But there's always a reason that you're not with someone. Like I think about my guy friends and I haven't really hooked up with like any of them, but there is a reason that I'm not dating them. If You know what I mean? So like even if we had hooked up in the past, there's a reason that we don't have that now. So it's like, it's not any different probably with your partner. Is it none of your business what your significant other does on their phone? This one is tough because it it's not really any of your business, but they also shouldn't be shady about it. Like they should be able to text and respond to texts next to you on the couch. Sketchy things shouldn't come up that like you don't recognize. Like I ex- went through this recently with my partner and like, you know, someone reached out to them and it was like someone that they used to date and it was a weird feeling for me. And I actually did a poll question about it that you might've seen. I was like, is it normal to feel annoyed if your partner gets a text from someone they used to hook up with, even though they did nothing wrong? And I think it was like 79 of you said yes. So it made me feel really like much better about it. And it's like, did I have to see that? Did I want to see that? No. But like, because he's open with his phone and I'm open with my phone, like that happens sometimes. Like this guy used to date, um, texted me a couple of weeks ago and he saw it and I was open about it. And so it's just like, you shouldn't be hiding anything. Um, jealousy of boyfriend's friendship with female coworkers. That one, like for the most part, it's, it's probably innocent. Um, if you're dating a good guy, then they're going to get along with their coworkers. Like, just like you would get along with your male coworkers or female coworkers, whatever. So I, I would say there's no reason. It's like the same thing with a friend. Like there's no reason for you to be jealous. I'm sure, you know, maybe there is like a tiny work crush. It's like, again, it's not the biggest deal. I think if you trust your partner and they love you and they talk about you to their coworkers, not like talk about like your sex life, but like say like, oh yeah, I'm going up to the cabin with Lindsay this weekend, whatever it is. Like there's nothing to worry about. Their coworkers are aware that they're in a relationship and maybe their coworkers are in a relationship, whatever it is. Like we got to normalize these friendships with people of your desired gender. Like it's not, it, it doesn't make sense to, to be so controlling over these things. I, I think it's like, you know, it's nice that your partner has a friend of the opposite sex. It's nice that you do. Um, breaking up for logical reasons versus emotional reasons um, and processing the different kinds of breakups. Yeah, I mean, we break up for, I would say, emotional reasons most of the time. The only time we break up for logical reasons is when like someone's going abroad or someone's going to to college or whatever. And I think even then, like people don't break up if it's meant to be. So I don't truly see that big of a difference. I feel like a logical reason is sometimes an emotion, like an emotional reason disguised as a logical reason. And the reality is like, if you want to be with someone, you'll make it work. These two shows uh, you guys wanted me to talk about, Married at First Sight. So I started watching this, but I started with season nine because it's the only one that's on Netflix. It's, It's ridiculous. Like these people have never met. They meet on their wedding day. I I Googled it. It was like 25% of them stay together, which is actually like not a horrible percentage. But it's, I mean, it's pretty absurd. Like there's so many, like they get married and it's like, oh, it's so good on their wedding day. And then the rest of the season is like them fighting the whole time and realizing like they don't have X, Y, and Z in common. I guess I would say I wouldn't recommend getting married at first sight. 
The other show is The Single Wives and it's with this dating coach, Matthew Hussey, who I've been dying to get on this podcast forever. If you know him, please hook a sister up. But he's hot and he's a dating coach and he coaches these newly divorced women. One is a widow. Uh, They're in their early 30s or like in their mid 30s and they have to get back in the dating scene and he coaches them and it's really eye-opening and actually really emotional and like really well done. They discover things about themselves. Like they they gain the self-awareness. They had never... One didn't realize she talked too much on dates. Like one didn't realize she had a block, like had a wall up because of what happened to her, you know, when she was cheated on. It's like you really can relate to each character. And um, he teaches you some good lessons about dating. I don't agree with everything he says. And that's another reason why I want him to come on this podcast. You know, he he does encourage women to like go up to the guy and initiate, which is fine. But then like, then let them take it from there, I think. And it's funny, you see like in one episode, all the girls are like writing one text message back to a guy from one of the girls. And it's just like, that's stuff we all do. So I would say give it a watch. It's on Netflix as well. Okay, now time for Dr. Stephen Duet. Hope you enjoy. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru. And you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with sexologist, Dr. Stephen DeWitt. How's it going? I'm great. And I'm excited to be here. I'm a fan and um, yeah, just just excited to be sharing my excitement and wisdom and knowledge and what I've been up to the last kind of four months. It's been an interesting time for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. So Stephen, if I can call you that. Yeah, please, um, by all means. How old are you and where are you from? Uh, I'm 42 years old. I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and um, originally uh, grew up out of Vancouver, uh, BC, and then moved here about 16 years ago. Awesome. And what exactly is a sexologist? I know we've actually had one on the podcast before. We had a female sexologist, Shan Boudram, and she's awesome. Um, She's great. But we've never spoken to a male sexologist. So is there even a difference? And, And kind of like, what is it? Um, yeah, really good question. I like to joke and say my mom still asks me the question. My dad doesn't want to know the answer. But as a sexologist, what I'm committed to is that all people live a sexually empowered life and they have relationships that work. Um, I like to joke and say, but there's a serious part to it. Um, my superpower is making the uncomfortable comfortable. So I do, you know, I, I am formally trained. Um, some people are like, oh, did you just have a bunch of sex and now you call yourself a sexologist? Um, that wasn't my journey. I did a master's of public health with a specialization in human sexuality. Um, I did my clinical placement here in Toronto at a place called the Hassle Free Clinic. And that mm-hmm. was a sexual health clinic. So that's really, you know, Lindsay, where I cut my teeth in accepting anyone and everyone and however they showed up and chose to express themselves sexually. And then I went back and I completed my doctorate in 2012. And then I've been building the business ever since. So then right. people say, well, what do you actually do? Some people have this idea that, you know, I'm, I have pom-poms and I'm at the end of someone's bed, like coaching them or like looking at a checklist and being like, yes, you are doing that right, Lindsay, but take care of this and put your head here or whatever. That's not what I do. So I have a private practice where I work with individuals and couples. I do um, retreats both online in these uh, days of COVID um, and in person. Mm-hmm. And I get to like have amazing partnerships, like, you know, one of the ones with, with jasmine.com. And, and right. so working through, you know, my phone and webcams and things like that to reach people, because I previously did a lot of speaking at conferences and conventions, and that's no longer available for me. So now I get to reach audiences, you know, through my phone and through webcams. So that's, that's what I do these days. That's awesome. So you mentioned jasmine.com. What is Jasmine? Jasmine on first glance is a website, but on second, third, and fourth glance, it's so much more. So it's a place where users can go um, to connect with experts like myself and influencers to talk about topics that they're really passionate about. 
could be dating or relationships, fitness, health, and travel. And it's the first webcam-based uh, social site. And so when people go on the site, they usually interact through uh, webcams and that, uh, and then in DMs as well. So people can have that real human connection with someone who's passionate about the same thing that they're interested and passionate about. That's awesome. And just before we continue, I have to know, when is your birthday? My birthday is uh, September 28, 1977. You're lying. No. We have the same birthday. What? <laughs> Twinsies. Wait, oh my this goodness. Is crazy. Yes. But but oh you God. weren't born. You're far younger than me. Like No, yeah. I'm 1990, but September 28th. This has never happened yes. to me before. Yes. Libra. Wow. Unite. We're going to take on the world. This is crazy. Do you know your rising and moon sign by any chance? So are we talking astrology? Are we talking human yes. design? We're are talking we astrology. Talking- so you can find this out with, with your time of birth if you have like one of those apps, you know, like CoStar or The Pattern or something. Yeah, I do. Um, my partner, she does human design. So she, mm-hmm. one of the first things she was like, Stephen, when were you born? So I had to actually ask my mom. Um, so I do have that information, but I can't tell you off the top of my head. Damn. Okay. <laughs> well, still, it's very exciting that we have this. I'll message you later with it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like, maybe I'm also a psycho- uh, sexologist and I didn't even realize because it's a September 28th thing. Well, Lindsay, one of the interesting things and why I love what I do is because you are an expert in your sex life. Mm. So as a sexologist, I get to support people in creating and discovering the sex life that works for them. But I don't come at it well like, well, Lindsay, I've written this book and I have all these letters after my name and all these awards. Let me tell you how you should have sex. No. It's Mm. like, hey, Stephen, this is how I like to get down. This is what turns me on. This is what turns me off. This is where I get blocked or self-conscious or uncomfortable because you are the expert in your sex life. And for me... Um, as a sexologist, it, it's it's such a, a privilege to have that window into people's lives, but it's also really humbling because I learn just as much about you and how you express yourself as much as then I can support you in what you want to create in your life. If that's a long-term monogamous partnership for the you know for the rest of your life, if that's exploring polyamory or you know right. sex clubs or whatever that is. So you are a sexologist, you know, in your own right, because you know your sexuality better than anybody on the planet. I love that. And what is your current relationship status? You mentioned a partner. Yeah. So I've been in a relationship for the past almost three years. And her name is Katie. uh, And she's my life partner. And, uh, you know, I love her. And and as I think with most people, um, you know, she moved in because of COVID. And, um, you know, it's that time where we're kind of exploring and uh, figuring out what living together looks like, as well as looking at what living together looks like in a global pandemic, and then how that impacts our relationship. And I would say 85% of the time, it's amazing. And then there's that 15% of the time that, you know, there are struggles and, you know, we sit down and, and we have structures in our relationship that help us. Um, carve out time to have real meaningful conversations about the things that we're struggling with. And that, you know, is really has served us in being able to enjoy the 85% of the time. And how did you and Katie meet? Uh, We met on this app that you may have heard of called Bumble. Yeah, definitely. What was her opening line? Uh, I'm going to pull it up from like three years ago. (sighs) I think, I think she just said hi. And so it was so interesting, Lindsay, because I still say it to this day. And she's like, oh, my God, Stephen, you're just saying that to me. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. there was something about her picture. And there was something about her energy that I was like, there is something special about this woman. Because and, and finding out her story, and I'll share a little bit about her story afterwards. What it was is I'm there and I've been on, you know, apps and and I see you know, hundreds and hundreds of women just by the factor of swiping. And they're very curated. And and I'm sure this goes for guys as well, right? Like, this is like my sexy shot. This is my family shot. This is me with mm. a dog. This is me with like the angle and the cleavage and all that other kind of stuff. And then there was Katie. And I was like, there's something really interesting. Now, as I find out, she had um, recently gotten out of a, a previous relationship. She was married, left her husband, and was like, I don't even know 
if people are going to be interested in me or attracted to me because, you know, I haven't dated in 10 years. And so she put these pictures up that were just really authentic and natural and, and just like grabbed my heart as soon as I saw her. And yeah, that was almost three years ago now. I love that. And when is Katie's birthday? Katie's birthday is June 8th, 19... 19- oh, she's a Gemini. Yeah. We yeah. love that. Yeah, love she's younger that. than I. So tell me a little bit about... I don't, I don't even know how to pronounce it. S-W-A-T-B. Ah, SWAT B. SWAT like B. A, SWAT B. Like I, I, I say it's like a SWAT team, uh-huh. but SWAT and then the letter B. So, so what so, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that I created. You know, one of the things that I focus on a lot is uh, communication and how we communicate. I'm not, I don't care, Lindsay, what you do with your partner, like the mechanics of sex or what I call the hydraulics of hard into wet. That's up to you and your partner. What I'm interested in is what prevents you from being fully expressed and connected with your partner. So a lot of um, the, the, the focus that I do is communication and communication with two people. First of all, the most important communication is the one that you have with yourself. What's going on in your head? I like to say that sex happens between your ears before it happens between your legs. So what are the messages? What is the conversation that you have in your head before you have sex? And then obviously the conversation with your partner or partners about what it is that you're going to be creating. And so looking at and um, talking to lots of people and do research on like what makes great sex, one of the areas is really clear understanding of what works for the person and what doesn't work for the person. And that's where SWAT B comes in. Because a lot of people think that uh, there's this myth of sexual symmetry. Like if I'm attracted to Lindsay and we're dating, well, we're going to like the same thing and the same thing turns us on and we like to get down the same the same way. And oh my goodness, if they don't, or if, if Lindsay, all of a sudden you hauled off and spanked me and like, oh my, uh, and that wasn't good. And then mm. I orgasm too soon and whatever. And then it's like bad sex and, and it's not going to happen. And sorry, it's just, just didn't work out that way. Where I really think we all have a, that unique sexual fingerprint and being able to understand the other person and understand who they are as a sexual being. And then come into a place of like co-creating something together rather than kind of putting on the blinders and like mashing body parts together. Um, Mm. I think when people talk about it, it can be so much more enjoyable, fun, intimate, connected. And so that's where SWAT B comes in. So it's an, it's an acronym in its simplest form and it stands for safe words, well-being, aftercare, triggers, and boundaries. So I'll, I'll do a bit of a deep dive into that. So when you're having sex with someone for the first time, a new partner, or potentially could be a, an existing partner, but you're trying something new, this is always something that I encourage people to talk about. And so the first one is safe words. And that's something that you're going to say in the middle of play with another person or people that stops all play or slows things down. It sounds very BDSM. Well, a lot of the roots come from that. And that's what a lot of people say. Be like, oh, Stephen, I think I read that in Fifty Shades of Grey. Or is that like kink or is that like whatever? And I'm like, yeah, so the roots of communication and really healthy BDSM, that is one of the things that you have. But a lot of people don't have that in quote unquote more vanilla arenas. And I think it's a really healthy tool. Why? Because it's a clear understanding that you create with two people. And it's something that is not normally said within a sexual arena, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like taxi or ham hocks or pineapple or something. Because if that happens and you're in the middle of getting down, you're going to be like, what? Why did they just say pineapple? And then it's going to click into your head and you're going to be like, oh, that's their slow down word or that's Mm. their stop word. And that now, can some, be even if you're just like role playing, like it doesn't have to be um, like totally. aggressive sex that you want to get out of. Like no. you could be pretending to be someone's boss and then they could say the safe word. Right. And then you're, you're back to square one. Yeah. And some people say, Lindsay, it comes up, they say, well, what, why don't I just say, cause there's a word for stop and there's a word for slow down. Why don't I just say stop or slow down? So there's two reasons. So sometimes 
people say no or stop to like build that sexual tension. Like it's like, oh, don't do that. That feels so good. And it's kind of like this play that happens. And also if you tell someone to stop, it's, it can be very abrupt and the person's mm. like, oh my God, like what's going on? And it just kills the mood, right? Because again, it's, it's a single person having created that communication. But if you co-create safe words together, oh, it's an understanding. And Lindsay knows my safe words and she knows my, and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it all works. So when it comes up, it's like, oh, we have an agreement about what this is. So I'm going to slow down and check in or we're going to stop things and I'm going to check in. So that's the, that's the S out of SWAT. What if someone's listening right now and they're like, I don't even have like, and they're thinking to themselves, like my sex is so not on that level of where I'd even need a safe word. And is that okay? Like, is it okay that my sex, I mean, is considered right? Quote unquote vanilla. Like it's so standard that it's just like, either the woman is on top or the man is on top. Or if it's like, you know, um, if it's two guys, it's like they have their routine. If it's two girls, they have their routine. You know, what, what about that? And like, how, how do we make those people feel like their sex is still okay? And and they don't have to have like, you know, safe words and they don't need to necessarily have these, like anything from the acronym because their sex is so standard. Is that bad? Um, So no, just as a platitude, no sex is bad if it's consensual and it feels good for you and your partner. So however you get down, however vanilla or non-vanilla you get down is totally cool. But what I said at the beginning for SWAT B is if you're trying something new with an existing partner or if you're connecting for the first time with a partner, Because then there can be that, oh, we're exploring a new realm together or a new way to connect together. And that's where SWAT B can be really helpful. But if you're just, you just love the, you know, the, the sex dance that you do with your partner that you've been doing for the last month, six months, year, five years, 10 years, and it honors you and it honors your partner, who am I to say that you should be doing it differently? Or who am I to say that you should use SWAT B? Because you shouldn't unless you're trying something new with an existing right. partner or connecting with a partner for the first time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so cool. what is the W? The W stands for well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is both physical and emotional. So, you know, if you have, uh, you know, I got a big plan, you can connect with a partner and you're like excited about it. But then something happens to you. You get in a fight with your mom, your boss yells at you you know, maybe someone passed away and, and you're just like emotionally, like you're not, you're not in that place where you were initially when you were like, oh, yeah, we're going to get together and, and, you know, it's going to be really hot. So checking in with your partner and honoring where they're at and where you're at on an emotional level is really important. Also, sometimes, you know, you're at the gym or working out at home and you pull the muscle or you're curling your hair or straightening your hair and you burnt your wrist or something like that. So being able to just check in with your partner, just be like, hey, how you doing? Like, and giving them an opportunity to share with you, like where they're at is like, oh, you know, usually uh, we use restraints on my wrist, but I kind of burnt my wrist when I was, you know, using my hair straightener. Um, because often we get into a, I talked about the sex dance and hey, if that works for you, that's fine. But if we get in that same kind of pattern um, of how we connect with our partner, it may not honor where we're at at that time, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, oh, we do this and I say this and then this goes here and we do this position and this happens and this happens and this happens. Cool. And then mutual orgasm fireworks and we all fall asleep, right? Um, But if, hey, I need a different type of sex, I need a different type of connection because I'm feeling this right now. And this is how I'd like to connect with you. Or, you know, I've, I've, you know, hurt my foot or my leg or something like that. And this is the type of sex that I would really like to have and connect. So that's the Mm -hmm. W that stands for well-being. Mm -hmm. And the A? The A stands for aftercare. So what do you like to experience with your partner or partner afterwards? Right. And it can be, it's so funny. I talk to so many and specifically women that they're like, oh my goodness. Cause afterwards, you know, it's like, okay, I gotta go, or you gotta go, or it just like, you know, we're, we're now into business or whatever is going on. And there isn't that place to kind of bring things back into equilibrium. So now we're on the same page, we know what's going on and it can just be that, that closeness. And it doesn't, it can be 
having a cup of tea. It could be cuddling or caressing. It could be going out for food. It could be, you know, lying there and telling each other jokes. I don't know what it is, but what is it that bookends and just completes that experience that you have with that partner? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I feel like my, so my partner and I, because we're both working from home, obviously, you know, during the pandemic, we've been having sex more during the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, cause we're both not like usually home and, uh, we love to like, you know, meet up, have sex. God, I hope my parents aren't listening cause they're, I hope they are in the house. <laughs> um, we will meet up, have sex and then like go right back to work. Yeah. And we love that. We both love it. Like neither of us needs to like cuddle after like yes. we just love, we almost think it's like sexier and more fun to separate and like start doing our thing. And then like, we'll send each other texts like that was so hot or something. Um, but that's like really something that we align on doing. And the the, aftercare, it it doesn't have to be a thing. Like it is, it can be super hot. And then you like have this hot sex and you're like, see you later. And then you're back into your business mode. He's back, you know, whatever. Um, but it's, it's having the conversation of like, what does that look after look like afterwards and can be like, no, that's it. And we're going to send each other's text and talk about how hot that was. Part of that is, is aftercare, but I think it's important to have that conversation. So you have an, uh, you know, a, a, how that's going to end. Cause right. you know, so many times it's like, and then I was there, you know, people are telling me that I was there and it's kind of like awkward and I wanted them to leave and I wanted to leave, but I, I thought I had to stay. And like that kind of weirdness is like, no, what happens afterwards? Let's have a conversation about that. Right. Yeah. And then like, I'll hear stories of, girls being so horrified that like they, you know, gave a guy head, let's say, and then he just like buckled up and was like, okay, I got to go. Like, and that's, that doesn't make someone feel good. Um, and what is the T? The T stands for triggers. So a trigger is anything that's going to take you out of a sexual headspace. So it could be a way that you're touched. It could Mm -hmm. be a, a word or a name you're called, right? If, if, you know, your partner calls you baby, but like you have a, a nickname that someone else calls you or your grandma called you that. And you're like, uh, like that's a, that's a hard no. So anything, or there's a particular part of your body that carries some sort of trauma and you don't like that being touched in a sexual scenario, yeah. that could be a trigger. So letting you, you're giving your partner as much information as they can get. So you can create an amazing sexual experience together. And you think that's so important because I mean, I can speak professionally and working with the people that I do, but I can also speak personally. Like sometimes I've said something or done something to a partner that it's a trigger for them. For me, it, it's not. I had no awareness around that for them. And then I feel terrible and I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, and, and it can, you know, interrupt that sexual flow right. and, you know, take us both out of that sexual headspace. So knowing that ahead of time is really helpful and beneficial to maintain that really fun connection that you have with your partner. It's funny. Um, I like. I don't like when people call me Lindsay, unless obviously it's a professional situation. Oh, okay. When it's like like, an intimate, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> but when it's an intimate situation, I don't ah. love it. And um, we recently we do these poll questions on our Instagram, and we were like, yeah. "Do you like when your partner says your name during sex?" And most yeah. people said no. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know that, and they still do it. So I remember, like early on with my partner, he was saying my name, and I was like that was a trigger for me, I, which is so weird because it's my name. But I was like, no, just I'd rather call you. I'd rather you say baby than like my name. Yeah, yeah. totally. And that's that's so good to know. And when you're in that sexual space, you know, it for for a lot of us, it's a play. I say it's like, I say sex is like an adult playground. And the mm-hmm. things that we need, we learned when we were like in grade one and, and right. we were playing. It's being kind to each other, sharing, communicating, having fun, make believe, like whatever you want to do, you know, yeah. you've learned at that time. And it really is now as adults, it's that, it's that playground that we can let ourselves go. And, you know, the Lindsay that I'm speaking to right now is not the Lindsay unclear when you're right. in that moment with your partner and you're having fun and you're exploring. And so when someone calls you Lindsay, that can bring you back into be like, Oh, look, no, that, that is, it can be jarring and can take you out of that sexual headspace. So yeah, right. good for you for, for being really clear on that. Yeah. Like, am I in trouble? Um, and, <laughs> and what's the, the B? The B stands for boundaries. 
Mm-hmm. So understanding where your partner's boundaries are and where your boundaries are. And there's two types of boundaries. There's hard boundaries, which is like, heck no, like I'm never doing that. And then there are soft boundaries. And soft boundaries are, I may be interested in exploring that. Um, but, you know, maybe it's when we're celebrating something, when we're on vacation. And the only time that you cross that boundary is after you've had that communication with your partner. Yeah, I love that. So I was just thinking like when I was in college, I dated someone whose ex was like known for like kind of the crazy things that she liked sexually. Like I remember the term like she was a freak in the bedroom was used. Mm. Mm. And I remember I had been very, very intimidated by that because at the time, like I was still, you know, newly exploring my sexuality. I wouldn't say I've like, you know, that different now, but I just like, I'm willing to try more and more experience now. But at the time I was very intimidated by that. And it led me to think like, you know, is my partner satisfied or would he prefer like the freaky things that, you know, his ex was able to do with him. And I feel like our listeners probably have been in a similar situation where they maybe question like if they're freaky enough for their partner, if it was something that they had in the past, what mm-hmm. would you say to a situation like that? Um, as I'd say to most situations is check in with your partner, have some conversations about that. That's step one. Cause you're up in your head thinking like, Oh my God, like, um, you know, maybe they want something more freaky or more exploratory or pushing and exploring boundaries some more. And they could be sitting in their head being like, oh my God, I just love this sex that I'm having with Lindsay. Like, it's so chill. I don't feel like I have to perform or like mm. I'm like a circus bear that I have to like come <laughs> up with new, new and creative things all the time. I yeah. just love like connecting with her and like, you know, whatever, looking at you in the eyes, whatever it is. And they may, so again, you're in your head having a conversation with yourself. They're in their head having a conversation with your, themselves. And then you can have this divide and then there can be awkwardness, space, avoidance, and eventually the demise of the relationship. So first and always is communicate. Just be like, and you can be like, hey, I got a bit of a crazy thought or this is something that's on my mind. I'm taking a bit of a risk telling you this, but blah, and say it. And and they may say, "Um, no, no, it's great. I love this. Or they may be like, hey, thanks for bringing that up. Um, you know, it's a conversation that I want to have with you and I want to make sure that you're comfortable, but let's talk about what that could look like. So that's number one. Number two, I would tell people um, that they actually have it on my website. It's something called a sex menu. Are you familiar with a sex menu? No, but I'm intrigued. You're like, oh my goodness, this is the same thing as being at a (laughs) restaurant and choosing everything that I like. Yes, it totally is that. So a sex menu and on my website is there and, and people can go there. You don't have to put in your email. I'm not list building or anything else like that, but it's a really great tool. And on the sex menu is a list of, I think like 245 different ways that you can connect with your partner sexually. Then there's a column that says experience, and you can check that off if you've had experience or not, or you can agree with your, with your partner being like, Hey, I don't want to know what you've done in the past. And that's cool. We can leave that blank. And then there's one of like openness and willingness to try from zero, which is like, hell no, to five, which is like, do this to me and with me yesterday. And then there's notes and nuances. So, and then I've broken it down to like levels of spiciness. So there's like one jalapeno, two jalapenos, three jalapenos on it. And you can go through and just write like, oh, this is a three, or this is a four, this is a five, or this is a zero. And you just go and you complete that and you build your own sexual self-awareness. So people can do this by themselves. You don't have to have a partner right now, but it's building your sexual self-awareness. But if you do have a partner, your partner then completes that as well. And you do it separately, independently. And this isn't a comp, you know, it's not a competition. It's not like who has the biggest score is going to be the sexier person or the, the cooler person or anything else. Like, no, this is just about where you're at. And then you can come together and you can have an open conversation about that. Or if you're with a partner, you can switch your sex menu and you can be like, oh, I didn't know you were interested in that. And they'd be like, oh, damn, girl, I didn't know that was the way you like to get down. But it, it's, a, it's a tool to, one, build your own sexual self-awareness and two, open up that conversation in a safe way about, hey, what does expanding our sexual repertoire look like? 
And so that's something that, you know, people, it's on the right-hand side of, of my website. People can click it, download it, keep it, use it, send it to your friends, send it to your mom that, you know, your mom can use it with your dad or your other <laughs> yeah. mom, you know, have fun with it. Yeah, no, that is so helpful because people are always asking me, like, how do I spice things up? You know, I'm in a long-term relationship or, you know, totally. what can I what can I do differently? Or like my partner's not initiating sex or just like, you know, Mm -hmm. anything. I feel like that solves like all of those questions. Um, Another thing that comes up a lot on the podcast and I talk about how, um, you know, I I talk about how I think you should wait to have sex and not Mm -hmm. have it on the first date. And that's not like, you know, any type of slut shaming thing or anything like that. I genuinely think it's just more fun. It's just Mm -hmm. more fun when there's more, you know, between you guys once you end up having sex. Is there such thing as waiting too long to have sex with someone for the first time? Um, I'd say sure. Absolutely. But that's not for me to define. That's for those two people to define. Or quite frankly, one of those people to say, hey, it's been too long. I'm no longer interested and I'm out. There is no rule other than the rules that work for you. So Lindsay, that works for you. That's totally cool. But there are some people and it depends we can get into like labels and sapiosexual and megasexual, but there is a term called me- megasexual and that person to connect sexually first and then develop emotions and then develop all mm. the other things that come with relationships. So it's really what are, again, it's communicating with yourself is what works for you, what honors you. And, you know, especially in this time, I've talked to lots of people in this time of COVID and they are like, Stephen, like I am sexting like a beast. And when things open up, you know, it's going to be on. They may, they're like, I just, I just want to have sex. I want that physical connection. I don't have a partner that I'm living with and I want to have sex. And it's, we're not going to wait on the first date. You know, we may go on a quote unquote date in a month, but there's a lot of pent up sexual energy. And this is what really works for me. So again, I, I don't, you know, subscribe to any kind of rules and being like, you have to wait this amount of time to have sex or, or to text the person back or don't double text. Like, nah, we're human beings. What works for you? What honors you and what works for your partner and what honors them? And you guys create that together. I somewhat agree. I definitely, I think that like, you know, you, you do need to have some, you can't put all your cards on the table. You do need to play sort of a, a dance in the, in the beginning. I wouldn't say a game, but maybe a dance. Um, but, but I do agree. I think, um, you know, I personally think that you can, you can wait up to eight, 10 dates, whatever you feel comfortable with. But if your partner is starting to lose interest, um, Mm -hmm. as a result of waiting, Mm -hmm. then that's something that you, they at least need to communicate with you about. Like it all, it's all comes down to communication. Yeah. And and I think there's two things that I hear behind what you're sharing is the assumption that what you're looking to create is a long-term dating, potentially monogamous relationship with that person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm coming from a place of like, hey, let's just hook up. Let's just have sex. Let's go to a sex club. I'm looking at it from a, a very, very wide scope. And there are tons of people who have met on dating apps and had sex or was a hookup or whatever. And then it was like, oh, I really like that person and continued and built and now are married and have kids and are living that quote unquote dream life. So again, I honor what works for you, um, but it's different for each and every person in how they identify and what works for them. Yeah. So I'm, I have one more question for you and then I'm going to do some rapid fire poll questions for you. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the COVID combo with a person versus the safe sex combo? Are they Uh the same thing? Yes and no. It's all about safety, but previously, and again, with my sexual health background, you know, when you're connecting with someone sexually, you want to have that conversation. And I always say, you know, you start by sharing yourself right? So you open up that space, you're vulnerable yourself and you're like, Hey, sexual health is really important to me. I don't think anyone is, well, it's not important to me. And if someone says that, then maybe that's a bit of an orange flag that you need to go elsewhere. Yeah. I've read flag. (laughs) So you start off and say, you know, Hey, sexual health is really important to me. The last time I got tested was X. Great. Cool. And there were no issues or there were some issues and that got cleared up. And since my last test, 
there have been or have not been any unsafe sexual encounters, condom breakages or slippages, right? So you want to talk about since that test, mm-hmm. has there been anything that's happened where unsafe sex and you forgot, or you were, you know, maybe partying and blah, 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 or a condom broke or slip. Again, if you're using condoms as safe for sex, some people don't um, need it because that's not how they have sex. Um, And then asking if there's, um, and just sharing that that's where it is. And then asking them, what about you? And so you've already opened up, shared about your, your sexual history. Last time you got tested, you know, any sexual safe and unsafe encounters, kind of breakages or slippages and open up for them. Now, what often will happen is people will be like, oh, I'm good or I'm safe or I'm clean. Mm-mm-mm. No, you got to double tap on that because the number one symptom of uh, sexually transmitted infection is nothing. So they're asymptomatic. So that person may feel good or clean or safe or whatever that is, but you want to actually have a conversation with them and find out when was the last time they were tested? Has there been any unsafe sexual encounters, condom breakages or slippages in that time? And then you can make an informed choice of whether you want to have sex with them or the type of sex that you want to have with them. Because you can explore sex that isn't fluid bonded, right? Right. That isn't necessarily penetrative or be like, hey, why don't we both get tested together? Or hey, I got tested last week. There hasn't been any unsafe sexual encounters, et cetera. I'm, before I feel comfortable connecting with you sexually, I'd really like you to have a test. So that's the quote-unquote traditional safer sex STI conversation. Now, the COVID convo is we need to start thinking about other people other than, and I'm going to assume there's two people connecting sexually. So are there people in your bubble or your circle or people that you live with who are immunocompromised? Do you have a person in a long-term care facility that you are you know, visiting? Uh, have you been traveling in the last 14 days? You know, isolation, that kind of things. Or if we are interested in connecting sexually, what does connecting sexually look like when we're have to stay six feet apart? And then getting creative with that and having some fun stuff happen that way. Yeah. It's so interesting because people will be afraid to talk about both of those conversations because like, oh, what if they're like, oh, you're annoying. No, like no one will ever think it's annoying to have like to to care about yourself, you know, like to have respect for your own health and your own well-being, like that's the biggest turn on that there is. Like yeah. the biggest thing that you can fuck up is not giving a fuck about where someone else has been, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a really interesting time where, you know, people are trying to figure out where they, they are in this pandemic and things are opening up and closing down again and moving into different phases. And you know, they want a way to connect with other people. And that's why, you know, the work that I love doing with jasmine.com is, you know, I get to work with people and from like all over the world and Mm -hmm. make a difference and share with them. They can ask me questions about sex and intimacy and relationships. And the other day was so funny. I had um, this guy show up, I was doing a live and he said, Hey, Steven, he's like, you know, watching your videos helped me with my wife. And I'm like, what? Like, how does that work? So, you know, I think it's perfect timing, you know, with a company like Jasmine to to come out because people want to connect about the things that they're really passionate about and find like-minded people to talk about those things um, in a safe way. And and Jasmine does a really great uh, job of having people feel like they belong and fit in and, and meet other people and have those conversations. Yeah, I love that. So I want to do some rapid fire questions for you right now. The first question is, is it weird or unhealthy to track your significant other's location? Oh, Um, that depends. If it's consensual, cool. If it's hot, if there's some kind of power dynamic that you're playing with and it turns you on and turns them on and they're aware of it and it's healthy and co-created, fill your boots. If you're stalking your partner and controlling them and manipulating them and using that as a power play and coercion, that's gross and disgusting and weird and could be borderline harassment. Mm. 
I agree. I also, I just, yeah. I mean, I only think it only matters if like you have kids and like you need to know where like, you know, when they're coming home, like things totally. like that, you know? Sure. Okay. Um, do you get your significant other a one year anniversary gift? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, are you asking me personally or do you think I did? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, totally. What's a good idea for one? Like people always ask me, I never know. Because right now you can't really take a trip. So what do we think for one-year anniversary gifts? Um, I'm a, a big fan of creating experiences. Me and because I'm like, I'm just like, I don't know. I, one of the things, Lindsay, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm taking on is getting better at giving gifts. Because it's just, mm. my brain just doesn't think that way. I'm like, uh, I don't know exactly what to do. So I like creating experiences for people and sharing that with them. And, and something that is like they've uh, never experienced before. So they'll always remember that. They're like, oh, yeah, our one year anniversary, this is what happened. You know, they can yeah. tell people at work, or maybe it's, they can't tell people at work. I like that too. It's hard with, with right now because it's like, well, I guess you could take a drive and, and go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, do you think that women post Instagram so other women will see or so guys will see them? Sorry, can you can you rephrase that? I didn't that like, question didn't like for me. For like if you're a heterosexual woman, do you think yeah. that you're posting an Instagram for other women to see or for guys to see? Oh, I, I think that's dependent on who that person is. Um, what what they're trying to achieve, if they're, you know, I I know lots of people who are entrepreneurs and they're, you know, posting for, you know, I'm posting for men or you're posting for women because that's who their ideal target is. And they want to resonate with that um, that demographic, right? right so there's right. that world, which is kind of like the business hat side. If I put like the personal side on it, it's interesting. I think you know people are posting because they want, and I'm going to generalize and overgeneralize, and I don't like doing that. But just to honor your question, I think mm-hmm. people are uh, putting up a version of themselves that they are looking to attract people that either like the same things that they do, that like the same visuals, have the same sense of humor, have the same kind of energy, the same kind of vibe that they are. Whether that's building following, whether that's getting people slipping into your DMs and asking you out or connecting with people that way. Um, I think generally it's just like, hey, it's, it's that human connection that you know we're looking to have and build. And, and I think that's, again, like I go back to the fun that I have on Jasmine because I get to do that and I get to build that with people. Yeah. If you can only take one type of birth control and your insurance barely covers it, costing $200, should your significant other cover half of the price? Um, again, uh, I think it really <laughs> depends. I think it depends where you're at financially. I think it, where, where your partner's at financially. Um, I think it also depends on what type of sex that you're having. And again, it all boils down to a conversation and, and where that's at. And then how, when we use words like significant other, like how long have you been significant? Is it a week? Is it a day? Is it a year? Um, mm-hmm. And just, I think finances that we're kind of combining like money and sex or finances and sex, which are the two things that, you know, cause the most challenges for people. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, again, it just boils down to having a conversation and that's going to be different for each and every person. Some person may be like, no, this is my body. I'm an empowered individual. I'm going to own this for myself. This is about me and the choices that I'm making. Now you're going to be informed. Your partner's going to be informed about them, but they're going to be like, high five, rock out with your bad self. Right. Or it may be in a situation where it's like, hey, you know, you know, my writer, this is something that I'm struggling with. And, you know, can we have a conversation about this? And then I think that says more about one, how you deal with conflict and two, how you deal with, you know, kind of the natural stressors of, of money and finances and relationship and that world of it. Yeah. When do you think sex is at its peak? After three times having it or after you're official for a while? Three. That's such a great. So sorry, just so I'm clear. After three times having sex, yeah. or after you've made it official. Yeah. Huh. 
Jeez. Um, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like, if I think about myself and I answer that personally, like I've had mind blowing sex the first time, you know, I've also had, you know, things have peaked, you know, a year into the relationship. Why? Because we had to figure that part out of like, who are you as a sexual individual? What do you like that, that whole sexual fingerprint piece and then come together and work on things that way. So yeah, I, I, I'm going to decline to answer those mm-hmm. questions because they're, that's too specific to be like, do this. And I never want people to be like, well, I listened to Dr. DeWitt at, uh, right, right. and he said three times like, no, like if anything, if people are listening, you own your sexuality, you know, what works for you. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. There's only your way. And being able to effectively communicate that to a partner is the only way to actually have an amazing partnership and have amazing sex. Yeah, it's true. Do you think that it's possible to have mind-blowing sex with someone? It is so good. It is the best sex ever. And there's zero feelings. Like it's just, it's just sex with that person. There's no feelings associated. So I'm going to say yes, because anything is possible. I think some of the things that I'm hearing in the background is like, if this is a, like a longer term thing and, and, and you're, it's just mind blowing sex. I think we all at different, and I can speak for myself personally and working with thousands of people that I have, we're all on a journey. And there's going to be times in my life where I'm just like, I just want to have sex. That's it. Like, I just want to, oh, let's go. Mm-hmm. And if I find someone at that right kind of wavelength where they're at that same place, it can be insane. It can be yeah. beautiful. It can be awesome. But they're at that place. Now, if, if I'm at this place and someone, you know, I'm here and they're here and I'm like, I just want this and they want that, then it's, it's, it's not going to work. Right. Now, if we're looking at a longer timeline, Lindsay, I, I think there is, it's important to note that people usually oscillate between two ends of a spectrum. This is the end of the spectrum that our great-great-grandmothers would like us to have sex, whether uh, we're with a long-term partner, it's a heterosexual relationship, and we're having sex, ideally married, for the purposes of procreation. This is good. On this side is baseless, emotionless, excuse my language, fuck them and chuck them sex. Right. And it's either this is good and this is bad. If it's anything less than this, it's bad. Where I invite people to look at, listen, we can design the type of connection, the design, the type of relationship that we want to have. So there's this physical component that we can look at. And then there is an emotional component that we can look at. And the type of connection can be created. It doesn't have to be like, oh, we're having sex. So then we're going to go down and get, or get on that relationship escalator. And it's like, oh, now we're dating and we move in together and we get a dog together. And then we propose, and then we get engaged and then we have kids and then we can buy a house in the verbs and then blah, 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 blah. It doesn't have to look like that. And it doesn't have to look like we met up at a club and we banged it out in the bathroom. It was, I mean, but then we never see each other again. So I, I really encourage people to think about like, what honors me right now? I can have amazing mind blowing sex that is a physical like generally, it's a, it's a physical component, but there is going to be emotion and emotion looks like, can look like many different things. It can look like connection. It can look like intimacy. It can look like love, but love is a highly inaccurate word to capture the complexity of human emotion. Lindsay, I can honestly say, I love you. I love my mom. I love the barista at Starbucks. I love my nephew. But that's one word to capture a very complex thing. I love you differently than I love my mom or my nephew or the barista at Starbucks. But we have this thing. Do you love this person? And if you love it, then it makes it okay to have sex with this person. And I'm like, listen, love can have many, many different forms. Like I have had partners in my life where I, I love them and I still love them to this day. The sexual component isn't there, but there can be that emotion, but we get caught up in this label of like what this is or what the right thing is or just sex and no emotion. And I think it's far more complex with that. And that's some of the work that I do. And I share with people about really owning that and designing what you like and not subscribing to like, it has to be this, or there's this rule, or you can't have this, or you can't have that. We're human beings and we have the power to create those connections that we want. I love it. And Stephen, where can people find you, sign up, take that 
menu, sex menu, you know, quiz and um, schedule maybe a sexology appointment with you? Yeah. Um, great question. So the, uh, for that sex menu, it's on my website. So that's drdewitt.com. So D-R-D-E-W-I-T.com. And, you know, I invite people to visit me on jasmine.com and check out my profile there. I go live twice a week. People can ask me questions there. People can have live video one-on-one chats. And it's just such a cool place. And I think, you know, there is such a, Uh, what I would call an epidemic of loneliness right now. And I think COVID kind of put that all in a pressure cooker and crank it up to high. And people are really feeling that. Um, And and then some people are like, well, you can just watch videos, but watching videos is a very passive thing. And being able to, you know, on Jasmine, interact and share great ideas and passions and having fun, I think that's what people are really craving. Um, so I really invite people to go to jasmine.com and we can just do what you and I are doing right now and talk and, you know, meet other awesome experts and influencers and have a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steven. You're incredible. And I have to say you were born on a pretty great day. So <laughs> yes, I love it. September 28th. Woohoo! So good. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much. And hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Feel free to write us a review and tell us what you thought about Stephen's knowledge on sex. 